everybody and welcome to the Ocean Impact Podcast. My name is Amelia Hell. I'll be one of your co-hosts for today, but as usual, I am joined by the main man, Tim Silverwood. Hi, Tim. Episode 11. How are we feeling? Wow. Well, we're almost at the end of the Pitchfest 2021 finalist series. Uh, we've got obviously Sarthi today who were first runner-up in Pitchfest 2021 and the final episode, the one you've all been waiting for, was of course the winner of Pitchfest 2021, Sam Elsom from Seaforest. So thanks for joining us through this whole entire series. It's been a ride. We have had just incredible people on. The conversations have been fascinating. And today we have Kristen and Tarun from Sarthi. These guys could be described as overachievers because they're not just Pitchfest finalists. They're not only in our 2022 Accelerator program, they are also the winners of the Plastic Pollution Spotlight Award sponsored by Zip Water, uh, who are returning partners of ours and also sponsoring and presenting the Plastic Pollution Spotlight Award for 2022. So that's a mouthful, but that is what we're working with today. Amazing stuff. So good to have Zip back on board. And remember, team, you've got until the 20th of September to get your applications into Pitchfest 2022. And as part of the application, you'll have the opportunity to tick whether you want to also be recognised as a Plastic Pollution Spotlight Award recipient. Got a bunch of Spotlight Awards this year and also, of course, the New South Wales Ocean Innovation Award presented by the New South Wales Department of Environment. So very exciting. It's really nice for us to be able to, you know, spotlight the different areas of ocean health um, and different concerns and challenges. And, you know, Sarthi, they're not only spotlight award winners um they're also obviously the runners up just an incredible startup doing amazing things this episode was actually a little emotional listening to the story particularly for Tarun. yeah i really love with this episode and this business model um it is that nexus between social issues uh social impact and of course ocean impact and environmental impact realistically the the ocean impact part of this story is that they're making wonderful sanitary products that are made from the earth and therefore can go back to the earth with no impacts. And in countries like India, where waste management is really quite often uh, lacking and, and results in materials just being moved around to areas of least um, or most convenience for, for humans, but least convenience for the planet in many examples, which means it cascades down through waterways into the ocean. So the fact that their products are fully compostable, made from waste materials from the bamboo and banana industries, um, just incredible. But what I really love, I suppose, is that nexus where you've got the social issues around providing employment and huge opportunities for, for women in India but also accessibility to sanitary products because that to me, I guess that's where we're getting is that really emotional story is where you learn about some of the cultural challenges and cultural taboos around menstruation in countries like India and I'm sure many other cultures around the world. It's really heartbreaking and that's where Tarun's story, which he, which he shares really emotionally, is just kind of like for someone like myself and maybe you, Amelia, a little bit eye-opening um, that this can sort of be taking place in 2022, but alas, that's the world that we live in. 
Yeah, and I mean, you know, for me, this episode uh, is one that I was very excited for. These are products that women all over the world use. And, you know, for me, the episodes that stick with me throughout this series are the ones where we get to dive into this huge kind of varied impact when they address one problem or even two problems, but you actually result in a far wider impact. In this case, Sathi doesn't just address plastic pollution and access to sanitary pads. It also provides additional income to farmers, provides employment to women, which also means more girls can go to school because mum has extra income. Um, It provides education around uh, menstrual hygiene for safer periods uh, and hugely it's truly changing the ingrained social barriers that women face when they're on their period, particularly in countries like India, which again is, is what Turun's story delves into, you know, with his mom and, and conversations with his grandmother. So I think people are going to get blown away when they dive into this um, business model they refer to as a cradle to cradle Robin Hood model, which is a fantastic explanation. Ultimately, you're taking a product from the earth, it's going to return to the earth. It's a waste product because they use the bottom, the stem of this banana plant. And the Robin Hood part of it, women can buy their pads at a slightly higher price in cities, and that subsidizes pads for women in rural areas. I probably have listed about 10 benefits of this of this model and of this particular startup. That's insane. That's a, that's a lot of impact. Yeah, and just indicative I think of of what I always try and say when you look at people like Kristen and Tarun and the team at Sathi, like why on earth would we put any barriers upon these people achieving their greatest definition of success? Something like 12 billion sanitary pads used annually around the world. The vast majority are going to be plastic and toxic and not really um, you know, good for planet or potentially people in some instances. So I just can't wait to see this business succeed because their success is planetary success, is health success, is social success. So it just, yeah, like like you identified, Amelia, it just lights us up at this organisation when you see businesses like this coming to the top and we just can't wait to see them succeed. Yeah, it's fantastic. People are going to really, I think, be changed actually by listening to this episode. We would love to know, guys, what your thoughts are. If there's part of this episode that you really, really enjoy, we want to know, you know, DM us on Instagram, leave us a review or a comment. And of course, if you want to follow in Sathi's footsteps and uh, bring your idea to the world, then we highly encourage you to apply for Pitchfest 2022. And you can do that at ocean-impact.org forward slash pitchfest2022 and enjoy the episode. Thanks, everyone. I'm extremely excited to have on the Ocean Impact podcast today, Kristen Kagetsu and Tarun Bothra from Sathi. How are you both today? We're good. Thanks. How about you? Twenty twenty one, where you were of course the runner up and the recipient of the Plastic Pollution Solution Spotlight Award. So we're here today to talk all about the incredible work that Sathi does. How about we get started with just you telling us a little bit about the problems that you're solving? There's many problems, like I guess that you're solving it with your solution, but those specific related to the environment and to the ocean. Yeah, for sure. So we started Sati in order to address lack of access to menstrual products and do so in a sustainable way. And at first, uh, 
that's maybe people would think, well, how does that have anything to do with the ocean? So basically we're looking at uh, reducing ocean plastics and um, plastic pollution in general, but specifically, um, you know, sanitary products end up in the ocean. You can see videos of that all over YouTube and TikTok, uh, people, beachgoers finding um, sanitary pads, tampons, etc., on the beach. And so it's one of the um, top uh, items that's, that's found that is made of plastic and plastic only degrades over time into little microplastics. Um, and so if we can eliminate these products from the start, like from the manufacturing, uh, that's kind of one of our goals. So looking at solving the plastic pollution problem or ocean pollution problem in a slightly different way. Right. So let's go a little bit deeper. So we're talking about sanitary products, menstruation products that currently the ones that are on the mass market contain plastic, vast amounts of plastic and a range of chemicals. And of course, if you're in regions that lack effective waste management and infrastructure, they're ending up in the environment, they're ending up in those rivers, waterways and the ocean. So tell us about what makes your product so different. What Saki is doing is uh, a product which is 100% compostable and biodegradable as well. Within six months after using it, uh, once you use the product and then you throw it, uh, with the bacteria which is on 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 it because of the menstrual blood and the bacteria in the environment, we'll start decomposing it uh, within six to eighteen months if it is thrown out there in a landfill or a litter. Uh, but if you compost it, uh, you will start seeing it degrading after seven days, and it would take some more time up to uh, what's say thirty days to see a proper composting and a proper compost. And by the uh, end of third month, it will be properly composted. Uh, so it will turn into a manure uh, where you can utilize it in your garden or you can just uh, throw it out there uh, as a compost, uh, which would not give uh, what's a harm environment in any adverse way whatsoever, because all the composition of our product are natural, like banana fiber, which is uh, a fiber coming from a tree bamboo fiber and similar uh, what's say fibers from nature so that's how we are different when it comes to product love it guys the circular economy in action so take us back then to the the origin story of sathi how did you two come together how did the team form and how did you come up with the concept and a business model that would allow this uh, business to succeed yeah so um we Basically, we're kind of looking at how we could address lack of access. That's where everything started. So um, in terms of lack of access, the majority, particularly focusing on India, so um, the majority of women and girls that lack access are in rural areas. And when we are, like, I've uh, been to um, various villages across India and seen kind of um, the different uh, conditions and one of the common things is, uh, like every village is different, but one of the common things is that they don't they don't have a landfill or any waste infrastructure because it's a small community, and basically at that point, then the trash goes pretty much wherever the community has designated themselves. Else, if it doesn't get in that area, then it might just be kind of on the side of the road or like in any other 
um, place where where they're just like, okay, no one lives here and, and that sort of thing. So uh, seeing that, it was kind of one of those things where we, we wanted to address lack of access. We wanted to bring these products like sanitary pads into the um, villages, but at the same time, we didn't want to create another problem or create a plastic pollution problem. And we saw this as something where we looked at all the other kinds of uh, solutions that people were creating um, out there in the market and focusing on distribution or focusing on uh, producing low quality, maybe um, very, very cheap uh, plastic pads that weren't very functional. Uh, and so we wanted to have function, we wanted to have access, we wanted to have pretty much everything. Uh, so we kind of went back to the drawing board and, and originally we had kind of a machine model, like a distributed manufacturing model. And we went back to the drawing board and said, no, this is, you know, we should, we should be able to do better and, and see if we can make our products completely biodegradable. So it took us about a year and a half to kind of sort that out, uh, uh, make the, the prototypes, make the, you know, do, do the like bench testing and everything and uh, eventually set up our own um, factory as well. Okay, we just had a little technical glitch there, but uh, Kristen, you were saying about transitioning the business model. Yes. Um, so originally we had started with a, a more of a distributed manufacturing model. And so when we were looking at kind of the different models that were out there, we really wanted to see where we could add value and how we can make a difference. And looking at some of the other models uh, where they're focusing on um, distributing very cheap, low quality plastic pads, uh, that was going to cause a huge waste problem and they're not functional. So we really wanted to see where can we kind of have the function, have the accessibility and also uh, not impact the or not contribute to the plastic pollution problem. And so this is something where we had to go back to the drawing board and uh, rework the product, see how we could replaced all the layers of the product um, and it took about a year and a half to kind of figure that all out. And then we had to start setting up a manufacturing unit for the same. So um, all in all, like the first couple of years was was um, really into kind of all of the understanding, you know, where we could add the value, how do we set this up um, and and getting building out our um, building our manufacturing unit and, and making sure our business model um, was able to have as much impact as possible. When it comes to uh, what's our business model, uh, we would like to call it a cradle to cradle Robin Hood business model. Uh, there are two reasons uh, why we call it that way. Uh, cradle to cradle definitely because it's completely circular in uh, in terms of its uh, positioning and it, for, it is based out of uh, circular economy and follow it through and through where we take our, uh, what's a raw materials and all, all the uh, materials which we require to produce these products from agricultural uh, byproduct and waste, which is banana fiber and bamboo fiber, which farmers throw away uh, after the crop is harvested because it's uh, waste to them and for new uh, tree to grow, they have to do it from the root. So the stem goes to waste, which we harvest and take the fiber from. Now for the same, we are paying the farmers so we're generating economy over there and upcycling a raw material which would have gone to waste instead of uh, growing something uh, just for the purpose of producing this product. Then we take this raw material and process it uh, with, the, with a very, uh, what's it, uh, special um, trade secret technology, I would say, 
uh, where we are uh, making sure that uh, it is uh, converted into highly absorbent material. And our factory is a zero waste factory, one of its own kind, uh, where there is no waste that is going out of our factory, uh, which is either plastic or any other harmful material. It is uh, just, uh, what's a uh, banana and uh, the other uh, organic material, which would go back to the landfill or uh, the nature and uh, get it together, uh, convert or be, be one with it. Uh, because it is from nature and our factory is completely women operated so we employ women uh, to make this product because it's a product for women by women uh, that's an ideology which we like to follow and empower women in getting jobs as well and then when uh, when it goes to a user where we're selling in urban areas we are selling it uh, as a product which is greener good for their health and better for them and also environmental friendly and every time when somebody buys a product in urban area we donate one in rural area that's why we call it a robin hood business model as well we take it from those who can afford it and give it to those who can't so we are balancing that uh so what's say situation out where one one sister in urban areas can help another sister in rural areas or or one one girl in urban areas can help a adolescent girl in rural areas who is going to school and should be able to get um, the full opportunity to live up to her potential and should not be stopped just because of not having a small product which is sanitary napkin in her life and then eventually when these users use it they throw it away or compost it so it goes back to the nature where all it started where we were sourcing banana fiber from so it's completely circular in nature and has its own social economic benefits where it comes to farmers, women who are being employed, women who are selling it in rural areas, women who are using and women who are getting it for free. And the environment where the government has not, uh, government has, has to not clean the waste after the product is being utilized. It really is fascinating. I'm just sitting and listening to this seeming perfection that you've been able to crack the code with so many elements to your business. And it really is no wonder that you are so celebrated and, and do receive a number of accolades. And we'll get to some of those key achievements a bit later on. But I'd like to maybe just go a little bit deeper into the two of you. This is a, a fascinating business led by fascinating people let me understand and let the listeners hear a little bit more about your personal why. Why have you created something which is so beneficial to people and to communities and cultures and, of course, to the planet? What, what is it that motivates you? Maybe, Kristen, you want to go first? Um, sure, yeah. So I think the first time I came to India was actually through a college program that I was doing. And um, I got to work with an NGO in the Himalayas in Uttarakhand. And um, I had a chance to work with the community there and um, develop these, actually it was a all natural, like um, locally sourced uh, crayons. So it was kind of, you know, looking back, maybe it was also a sustainable product in a way, but basically we were looking at how we can kind of use the local materials they were already making textiles, dyeing textiles. And so they wanted to use the leftover pigments to make crayons. And so that's kind of, you know, again, upcycling in, in its own way. 
Um, and that whole experience altogether kind of made me very much interested to, to come back to India, um, but not necessarily knowing exactly what direction to take at that point. Um, and that's one inkling of it. And then the other part is I had also had a chance to work on a waste management and recycling project in Nicaragua. And that was, we were uh, writing some proposal to the UNDP for, for uh, a new, you know, model for, for the waste management. And um, that was kind of my interest in like, what happens to all the waste, you know, we went on the garbage route, we went on the recycling route, we sat in the garbage truck. And, you know, seeing like, okay, so, you know, it's, it's nice to think about, okay, how can we collect it better? How can we recycle it better? But how could we also not have it in the first place? Because at the end of the day, the manufacturers are the ones that are making all these things that we end up either having to throw away or discard or recycle. And everyone's talking about how it's so hard to get people to recycle or to even once you get the people to recycle, to actually recycle the thing. So it's like, okay, so this somewhere is not making sense, I think. And uh, so between, I think, multiple experiences over time, I think um, trying to see how to combine them in as many ways possible um, is, is how I became so passionate about all the issues that we deal with here at Southeast. And Tarun, I, I've heard you somewhere talk about some very personal experiences that are part of your motivation, but I'll let you tell a bit of your story as to your why you're, you're so passionate about solving this problem. Sure. Uh, I have both reasons to be, uh, what's a, uh, I have multiple reasons actually to be part of Sati, um, but two most prominent, uh, I would say, which made me uh, stick around and, and do it uh, are, the, what's it? While I grew up, uh, I've seen a lot of people making money and uh, focusing on individual's growth. And it is, um, I wouldn't say selfish, uh, but I would still say that it doesn't impact uh, people around you in a way it should. Because if you are able to uh, generate some value for you and it does not do anything uh, for the society, or the or the larger group you are living in, uh, that value really doesn't mean uh, much. It just it just very very um, narrow circle which is revolving around you, but not not generating the the greater value you, it could if it was thought correctly. Uh, I've seen that happening in my family where um, where uh, my grandfather has made sure that. Uh, Whatever um, he does, whether it's business or anything, he makes sure that the value is generated across the society. And while he is growing, uh, his family business is growing, uh, people around him are progressing in the same way, maybe slower, maybe faster, but they are walking forward towards success instead of uh, what's it, going backward. Uh, in life, which made uh, me understand that uh, whatever I'm studying and uh, it was engineering while I was studying it, I thought that I could focus my energy and my knowledge into creating value, which is greater than just a success for me, uh, not just me, but for society, uh, for people around me, because everything they do, it impacts me uh, directly or indirectly, whether it is a cleaner on the street 
who is cleaning the street today if it is not clean then it's uh, it's going to take me longer to reach to work which could result into uh, a simply you know a bad uh, day for me uh, and maybe a loss of money um, similarly somebody who is doing anything small in their life though it is part, maybe it, they are getting paid for it but it impacts my life in a way so for me it was very important to be able to do something where i can give back to society um, and that's that's one of the founding pillars of our company community where where i uh, where we focus a lot on farmers women and people who, who are in need of something like this and a technology which is for masses not not just somebody who have money in the pocket another thing is um, sorry i i get a little bit uh, emotional on that part uh, always um, yep uh, so when it comes to uh, my personal experience i uh, i come from a very religious family so you know in india not a lot of people uh, see menstruation as a very nice thing to uh, deal with and so when women uh, menstruate and they're not allowed to touch or uh, the food uh, go into the kitchen or drink from the same pot you're drinking sleep on the similar bed uh, you you sleeping are not even allowed to touch kids so i was very young um, i didn't know what menstruation is at that point of time and i i felt like my mother was treated differently and i couldn't understand why so i had a fight as a kid with my grandmother saying that well, what's the problem right uh, why can't she eat with me she feed me or play with me um, while she, uh, few days of a month every time and it's just weird for me and then she told me that you know she is on periods which for me to understand at a age of 7 was different and i would say difficult that um, why because i mean i used to go running around and i had nose bleeds and i, I was stupid enough to tell her that okay so i also bleed uh, it's hot out there so i i bleed and so why do i get to touch everything and she she don't she tried explaining me it's different but uh, then she realized that it is unfair for a kid to be away from mother or also unfair for a woman uh, to be treated this way so my grandmother fought for it in our house and i never saw it ever again so i grew up in a family and environment where it was not a problem for me but when i grew up and i started this company this story was told to me by my mother so i was not aware of that i was too young to remember it and then when when i heard her saying this yeah so she she made me promise that i would make my best effort not this to happen to any other mother or a kid so yeah. that really is just so fascinating and thank you thank you for sharing that tarun and um how does that then impact the business that you're building obviously we're talking about a remarkable opportunity here to to really disrupt and and challenge some social norms that i'm sure everyone listening in would like to imagine shouldn't exist in 2022 but that must create its its share of problems for you as a business can you talk kristen to 
whether that continues to be a, a problem or are things moving in the right direction? And if, if so, how quickly? I think when we started, we really, uh, we saw, I mean, first there was not as much media, mass media attention around this as well. And so I think that is helping now a little bit. Like 2015, I remember people were like, oh, this is the year of the period. And even then it was just only a few articles. Now I think it's like on Instagram, you can see some accounts here and there, things like that. So I do think there's more, and this is global too, not even just in India, but I think uh, we're seeing a little bit more uh, awareness about periods or like openness to talk about it. And I think um, when we started, there was a lot more uh, of the challenge of, okay, well, you know, if you want to use our space or you want to buy this or you want to do that and what are you going to do with it and if we talk about menstruation then it's like oh no uh you know this this won't do so i think that happened a lot more early on and now i think we're facing maybe different uh concerns maybe so like we're looking at okay this is it is still a taboo uh, and so that's kind of on a customer basis maybe there are some people like if we go to an event We'll have a booth at the event and, you know, some people won't be as comfortable to talk with us about the product or would rather talk to, like, only certain people about this because it's a women's product and things like that. And so I think we're seeing kind of some progress and then also still some challenges. Uh, I think there's still quite a bit, um, uh, quite a bit to be done. I mean... There's quite a lot of things, I think, related to women's health in general that we're seeing, you know, the, the situation that's going on in the U.S. with Roe v. Wade and abortions and all of that is, is also an, a negative step, a step in the wrong direction. So I think we're, we're seeing kind of a lot of agitation and we're trying to push what we can in the right direction and, uh, you know, trying to uh, band together with others who are also pushing it in the in the right direction as well. I mean, I think we've seen, like, um, in terms of stories, like, one of his favorite stories to tell is, like, we've seen kind of, you know, the, the when we go to events, that's where I think the most raw um, experiences happen. So you can have, like, the experience of, like, a bunch of middle school boys just come to your booth and they're like, oh, what's this, just out of curiosity. But as soon as you say the word, oh, it's a sanitary, oh, and then they start giggling and run away. So you have that, which I think is normal anyway, you know, it's not just India, of course, this is just a normal maybe middle school boy kind of reaction to sanitary pad. And so then at the same time, we've also had great experiences. And I don't know if you want to tell her. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, one of my favorite experience about going to like a open discussion and a shop, uh, a display shop where we are just selling sanitary napkins, uh, which traditionally would be very orthodox in India. And then uh, especially when they are sold, uh, not in a black bag or, or a, uh, I would say covered product, it just handed over to your hands uh, like that where uh, everybody can see uh, that was the idea to break the taboo from Sati and that's how we started doing in-person sales wherever we were doing we, we wanted it to be bold and uh, a topic to be openly discussed whether it's man or woman doesn't matter kids or uh, uh, what's say older people because it's something natural this awesome thing happened a father walked in um, so uh, he would be somewhere around what uh, 45 year old uh, guy who walks in 
uh, goes around our whole uh, shop and looks at everything, uh, sees, understands it. Uh, I tried to talk to him and he was like, I'm looking, I'm looking. And he, he literally caught all the information. Uh, then I had a few questions. He, he asked me those and then he runs away. Uh, and we were wondering what just happened. Um, I mean, like, uh, did I scare him off or, or uh, did I say something wrong? And then he, he runs away and I'm seeing it. He, he goes away like around, uh, what's it, 30, 40 feet, grabs a young girl, her hand, and then runs back with her to our booth. And she is 13. Uh, she has just entered her puberty. Um, I would say very, very coincidental, uh, this thing. And it's, it's her second time having her period. So last month she would have had her periods for the first time. It's her second time. And his dad, her dad brings him, her to our booth and then start explaining all of it uh, and not let me do it. Uh, though I, I am the person who's selling this product, but himself does it uh, and, and put it as an example that, you know, uh, it should not be just mothers uh, who should be helping their uh, daughters out when it, they hit their puberty or they get their first period, but it could be fathers also. And that's why this product is good, what, what this company is doing and everything and then goes uh, and grab her wife also and then bring her and then tell tell about the product to her as well and to us it was a very very mesmerizing moment because i haven't seen uh, especially middle-aged men doing it. young youngsters might be open to the idea but not uh, not middle-aged man and not in india definitely or or other developing countries so for us, it was an awesome day, I would say, uh, and, and a very, very good success that uh, we, we provided that platform for the father and daughter to be able to experience uh, it together. And then we, we got to see it. And this was at our first, uh, very first booth ever. So this was the first time we ever launched the product and um, we didn't have any idea what to expect because, you know, we're in Ahmedabad, which is not the biggest, uh, like, you know, one of the top three or five cities um, in terms of um, in terms of India. And so we're like, OK, well, we don't know what the crowd will be like or anything. And it just everyone blew our socks off. We just had like run out of product. by the, It was three days, uh, three days booth and we had run out of product already by the second day. And so we're kind of uh, trying to figure out how to get product in the middle of the day um, but uh, it was it was a great experience a lot of very interesting um, interactions with people and we still have some like memories and uh, memorabilia from that that first event I think so well and uh, what a successful achievement um, a great segue to talk about more achievements that was a really fantastic one but yeah if you wouldn't mind just detailing a little bit more about those sort of milestone moments that you've had in your journey to date. And on the back of this, we'll then start uh, talking about some of the challenges. And occasionally people have a lot more challenges to talk about than achievements, but let's see how you go. Yeah, um, I guess some of our major milestones was at first uh, deciding to pivot our whole business model from being distributed manufacturing to actually focusing on the product and having our own manufacturing unit. That was a big decision for us. 
the se the second one I think was having the prototype uh, in hand and then realizing we wanted to get machinery, but we wouldn't be able to bring machinery into my apartment, which is where we heard kind of doing the like basic prototyping. Um, and so thinking, okay, well, now is the time we better get a factory for that. And uh, getting the factory was another big achievement that took some efforts and lots of driving to find the right location and those sorts of things. Um, and then I guess uh, selling online for the first, well, selling in this event was our first time ever selling the product in real life. And then from there, we started selling online. Uh, and we launched on Earth Day, so that's our favorite thing is the timing was very perfect in that way. And, um, and then I guess we had only made one size of sanitary pad which is quite unique for a sanitary pad brand when you're supposed to have at least like four or five sizes. Um, and so we had that for quite some time because we had to develop the new size. Um, and so I guess that would be then launching new, new fibers and new materials. Um, and yeah, I mean, these are kind of yeah. major milestones. Moving from, I would say, uh, more of a manual setup in Kristen's apartment to a fully-fledged automatic factory was another key achievement for us uh, where we could produce more and serve more women and a better quality product. And the uh, best part about it is that biggest happiness behind it is that when you walk in, you see a lot of women working in the factory and uh, the care they put in to make this product, right? because they know that it is going to a sister or another mother or daughter uh, who's going to use the product is is overwhelming. Uh, you, you, that's, that's another achievement, I would say, where, where we actually were just counting how many employees we have and realize 75% of staff, whether it is the factory or the office, is women. And, and it, it happens to be it was not, it was never intended, uh, but it happens to be that way. And then we, at that point, we coined it that we will gonna keep on doing this to employ more and more women uh, and have the talent and ability to do something for other women. Uh, so, yeah, that and we launched uh, banana, uh, so banana fiber products. Then we also launched bamboo fiber products. So, that's another key milestone. Um, we have completed, uh, so we started this 1 million pad mission uh, where we were supposed to distribute 1 million pad in rural India for free. And fortunately, it's just not 1 million, but 2 millions already been distributed and we are growing strong and going to go more and more as we go ahead. I just want to add um, two stories that if uh, there's time. One is that with the ladies at the factory, one of the stories they told us is now that they have this income, it's a disposable income, but uh, they're able to send their daughter to school. So this kind of impact is like, we, you know, we measure quantitative impact and we have the metrics that we measure and they're associated with the UN Sustainable Development Goals. But um, these kinds of qualitative things, like, I don't know, how do you kind of measure that? Uh, but I think that generational change is, is pretty amazing. And um, and then even like uh, in, um, I think 
in rural areas also we're seeing uh, women are really interested in this kind of product because uh, regular products because they just degrade over time and um, they take hundreds of years to degrade they get dug up by the local uh, animals and so if you have a compostable product it will actually completely uh, decompose and that's something they really like about this product so even if they're not talking about it as oh this is a biodegradable product but they're talking about it in terms of oh well this is better for me and my community and my um you know my health so it's the same result is getting across but uh, maybe different words we're going to move on to challenges in a sec but i just wanted to have one quick sort of sidestep over to you know the addressable market for your product. I think I read on your website. You know you're talking about 12 billion sanitary pads uh, being used annually in India. So clearly you've got a huge market out there. But how does that sort of get offset? I suppose with your production capabilities, and maybe you can talk a little bit to sort of where you're at now and and where you want to get into the future in terms of your capability to to, to start to meet that addressable market. Sure. Well, we are um, a very small fragment of that market, I would say, because it's half the world's population we are talking about, right, uh, which uses this product. Now, India alone uses 12.3 billion, and that is also very fragmented. Incredible India, diverse India, I would say. We have income segments people can't imagine, two income segments people would not want to imagine. Uh, so it's, it's diverse in terms of culture, it's diverse in some income segment and diverse in some, uh, what's it, in terms of beliefs. So uh, to have a brand, to build a brand in India is, is quite difficult. Uh, so yes, and then there is, a, what's it, there is a huge different in, uh, difference between not just having access to product, but also the education about the product. Considering menstrual hygiene was uh, a very harshest topic and still is, a lot of people won't want to talk about it or would not go around searching for it. Uh, so educating them about the product is, is a bigger challenge, I would say, and also uh, a roadblock for us to grow faster because as more and more people talk about it, the more education they get, the more... They get to know about the product and that's how you expand in the market and it is it is like uh, something of very personal use so even though you market it you do advertisement even if you run ads on tv it wouldn't matter unless a person hears from another person that this product is good enough to use uh, then only they will start using and trusting it it is like like a razor for guys hey i've been using but uh, xy brand uh, which does really great uh, you should use two and that and that's how uh, it goes uh, same with the sanitary pads and the other uh, intimate products uh, so yes uh, where we would want to be yes definitely we would we are looking at a scale up where we are serving more than three and a half million users per month uh, and be able to save more than 80 metric tons of plastic every week uh, not month but every week uh, which is the almost 200 and um, 300 uh, metric ton of plastic a month. Uh, that's kind of scale we are looking at. And then that's what I'm talking about, uh, just a step up scale up. Uh, and when we multiply it, because 
there are a ton of inquiries we have as a company, especially from international market, which are highly developed uh, when it comes to, let's say, Australia or um, uh, New Zealand or America or UK or other European countries, which already are consuming a lot of organic products, a lot of plastic free products. Uh, the market uh, is developed somewhere around in the range of 45% to 60%. Uh, there is a huge demand for our product over there and that's what we are trying to cater. And um, I'm happy to say that currently we are present in 10 plus countries and then we are growing strong and expanding as well. Fantastic. Yeah, it really is just so exciting and we cannot wait to see all the future success. But yeah, we were going to have a little diversion before just around some of those challenges and maybe we can start to almost loop this into that moment where we can start to share some of your wisdom and personal experiences with other founders and entrepreneurs. So talk about some of those challenges and maybe wrap it up into some of those key learnings that might help people navigate their own impact entrepreneur journey. Yeah, I think um, the challenges that we faced that are that are most memorable till now, I think in the early days were just a lot of um, a lot of people kind of uh, giving opinions about how we should um, you know set up our company and that sort of thing. So so setting it up meaning designer business model and all of that. And so I think one of the, the major things was um, looking at it from the perspective of oh and you should only focus on health or you should only focus on environment, not both. Um, you can only like look at how to address lack of access, but not uh, not think about the plastic pollution. Otherwise, it it won't work. Um, and I think we were just very stubborn uh, in a way, but that kind of really like had had convinced ourselves at least that you know this kind of model should be possible given what what is out there, what resources are available. This kind of model should be possible. We can have the impact. And we can be profitable eventually, you know, once we scale and all these things. And so we were, you know, trying to overcome those uh, naysayers, you can say. So I think in that way, if you have done your homework and if you kind of uh, model it out and and understand what it is that you're really trying to solve, I think uh, in that way, stick to it. You do take feedback. We did take feedback also. Uh, But I think... In some ways, you do have to kind of stick to your goals if if you've done your homework, right? So that's one uh, challenge and, and advice together, I suppose. Do you have any yeah. thoughts on uh, anything? Sure. I mean, Chris and uh, they talk about uh, organizational challenges, and that's great. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about as an entrepreneur what challenges you would face, definitely. Uh, as a company, you would face a lot of it from competition to marketing challenges to sales challenges, definitely. But uh, as much as a company, uh, as much as company and the idea matters, so does the people behind it. A mediocre product with a great team can do wonders, while, uh, you know, even greater products with mediocre team or a team which is not dedicated can't do uh, anything. Uh, so that goes without saying that, you know, you, you should have uh, uh, the best of people out there for, for focusing as a company. And then it goes back to the pillars of the company, which are founders, because if you are a leader, uh, your team is going to follow you, definitely. And you should be able to uh, be the shield, be the be the razor sharp blade or whatever you call it 
against the world for your team uh, and and keeping it strong and if you are getting into short social entrepreneurship especially uh, there are a few things you want to make sure that uh, you you don't uh, take for granted one thing is um, your work life balance because this burns you out it it burns you out to an immense extent that you know because people sometimes who are taking social entrepreneurship as as a path to forward they're good by heart uh, they they forget that um, they have uh, what's say uh, to focus on their health as well uh, including us uh, eating on time uh, giving their mental health some some uh, proper attention uh, having a good sleep because uh, we are very, very passionate about you know doing good by people uh, giving back to people and then and then we forget that if if we don't last long neither would the impact because we are the one doing it so you need to take care of yourself and don't burn out and uh, don't get into social entrepreneurship for the glory of it <laughs> never do that uh, i've seen a lot of people doing it and then failing miserably uh, being disappointed being disappointed you will get your glory in due time uh, focus on on what you started um, why, you started. Be, why you started it um, and continue to do it in, in, in your wholehearted way and passion and eventually you will reach there uh, the glory will be there don't get um, blinded by it uh, people will take your name you will be famous but always focus on what you wanted to do and take that forward because glory is a byproduct of it what was your main mission and vision has to be the focus of it um then yes uh, sometimes you will hit rock bottom and when it comes to social entrepreneurship it is several times um because uh, you will be disappointed in in other companies people uh challenges uh in life sometimes that you know why why you need to do all this to save this world or this uh, do good to people hang in there uh it is going to turn around not today not tomorrow but someday because uh the world did not uh became this world in in one day it became how it is in over time and those things which were done which needs to be undone or those things which are done and which needs to be carried forward would require also a lot of time maybe this won't happen in your generation uh but you leave such a platform that your next generation should be able to carry it forward all that good work which you have worked on uh, don't lose hope and don't um, get uh, sad about it uh, and leave it in the middle continue to do the good work there are other people like you out there and we are there in your support i think finding community is helpful like communities of other entrepreneurs who can kind of talk with you about the challenges and then i think also um seeing like change that that you want to make um leaving a legacy in a way that that's what drives us i mean we really want to create actually system change and and that's more than we we want to be more than a product company we want to create some kind of system change and i think that's something where we're seeing you know this is this is a long you know 
we're in it for the long haul, I guess. But yeah, uh, yeah, uh, it's it's not a twenty twenty cricket match. Uh, let's just <laughs> say it's it's a it's a straightforward uh, test match for those countries uh, which like cricket, like India, they would understand. And those who who not, it's not a morning soccer game. It's the what do you call? It? It's the Super Bowl if you're into football. It's the Premier League. Yeah, it's the long one. Yeah, Super Bowl or Premier League, uh, you have to wait till the end who is the winner. Uh, but uh, the worth is the journey. Because winning doesn't mean anything. The journey means more. Thanks, guys. You've really wrapped up some lovely words of wisdom there. So, look, we are moving towards the the end of the podcast, and I suppose we'd love to hear from both of you. What is the next twelve to twenty four months of Sathi's journey looking like? Maybe you can talk to what you're working on now, or what you plan to work on in the future. If it's not too confidential, we'd love to hear where you're heading next. Yeah, um, one of the things that we're working on right now is um, a new form of plastic credits because going back to the origin story of, of why we started talking in the first, first place, it was to address plastic pollution. And these days people are talking about carbon credits and plastic credits, but the two kinds of plastic credits that exist right now are focused on collection and recycling. And so we want to propose just once again, you know, instead of just looking at waste management and recycling, which are the original two kind of things that we were inspired by in the beginning, how can we uh, encourage people to say, well, you know what, if I'm going to put my money into a plastic credit, why don't I try to put it into something that will actually eliminate this plastic from, in the first place, because then I won't have to bother to collect it or recycle it later. Um, and spend more money on, on that side. And we're not, uh, you know, we're not so idealistic that we think that there will be no plastics to recycle because recyclable plastics have their own role to play. But I think we can all think about it from the perspective of the more, the more we look at manufacturing and say, well, what can be replaced and what can't, right? So we can reduce the amount of volume that goes into either of these ones that are harder to deal with. So single-use plastics and recyclable plastics, let's just try to reduce it as much as possible so we can uh, go ahead and, and try to make that impact. Um, yeah. Product-wise, we have a few things up our sleeve, but uh, probably can't disclose it at this mm -hmm. point. Okay, I, uh, I would say... We'll drop some hints on social yeah. media and then, and then uh, so follow along on social yeah. media. No, look, thank you guys. And that's just, um, yeah, really exciting about the plastic credits and really like the rationale behind that thinking there, Christian. So we certainly look forward to where that journey takes takes you and takes Sarthi. But look, we are getting towards that time when we need to sort of wrap things up. So maybe over to you, there's some things that you really wanted to talk about today that you haven't had the chance to yet. And um, once you finish with those final words, just tell the listeners where they can follow the journey and support Sarthi. We'd love to hear from you. I guess just two last things. Uh, we definitely uh, owe a lot of our success and recognition and those sorts of things to the supporters we've had uh, throughout our journey. So we've had a couple like since the beginning of our journey. So that's uh, you know, 
give a want to give a couple shout outs to MITD Lab, um, Asian Society, uh, the Cardio Women's Initiative Awards, and a couple others uh, who have really been there since the beginning. And of course, um, we're really excited to now be working with um, you guys at Ocean Impact. So we're looking forward to the end of this phase of our journey because I think we're looking at how we can really uh, build up um, the the impact that we have in the ocean space. I think this is really something we're excited about as well. Um, and I think uh, one one other thing I didn't get to mention about the future plans. I guess right now we're we're in the process of of scaling up. So we're looking for uh, funding partners that believe in the vision, the mission, uh, the system change that we want to create, and, and want to work with us and, and partner with us to to create that change. Um, so. Yeah, and then, um, oh, and in terms of our social media, where to follow us, uh, we're on most of them, Facebook, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube, um, and all of them are at SatiPads. So. From me, uh, I would simply say, go bananas for saving the Mother Earth and then a better place for everyone out there in the world, definitely women's health. And... Uh, yeah, keep it real. Keep it real and go bananas. Look, thank you both so much for your time and for all that you do. Um, it's absolutely wonderful to get to know you and work with you. So we wish you all the best. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.